Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I hope that you are enjoying going deeper in the Word of God in the Supernatural series, our study in the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the things I really love about Jesus' teaching is how he would use practical illustrations to help us understand spiritual concepts. So he'd say things like this. He'd hold up a seed and say, our faith is like a mustard seed, or he'd point to an olive tree and use that, or he'd talk about building a house on the sand. And so that's what we've been doing these last several weeks. You'd remember when I started this series, I put a tool belt on and said the gifts of the Spirit are like tools in which we use to build up the church. Last week, Joel, uh, Joe Ewan, who's one of our board members, had a life pre preserver and said giving prophetic words is like throwing someone a, a life preserver to help them in their time of need. And so this week's illustration is that you are like this. The Bible talks about us being vessels, or Jesus calls people, and as he explains the Spirit, he often refers to it like water. He says this, come to me, all you who are thirsty, and I will give you something to drink. And then John 7 talks about that streams of living water would actually not just flow into us, but flow from us. And so when we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit, we're actually talking about being filled up with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5 talks about being filled continually. That's what that word means. Yeah. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit so that you could overflow. And then as people are often referred to like blades of grass or like plants, we're actually letting the Holy Spirit flow out of us in order to bring them the water of life so that they could grow into maturity. And so when you're getting filled up and when you're starting to operate in the Spirit, it's your opportunity to pour out on your friends, on your fellow church members, on your neighbors, on your coworkers. And that is what we're doing when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. This is what Scripture says. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love. I think everyone in this room, you'd love to be a more loving person. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want to love. And so the Apostle Paul gives us an understanding of how we can do that. He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. Now watch this in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. We've been looking at this verse. What shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So he's saying the gifts of the Spirit are going to be given to each one, and when you come, you use them to build up the church. So we're going to talk about that last phrase in 1 Corinthians 14, 26 today, where it says you have a tongue or an interpretation. So today, the sermon title is The Amazing Gift of Tongues. And out of curiosity, I'd, I'd love to know how many of you have sat in a church service where the whole message was just devoted to the gift of tongues? Would you raise your hand? Okay, about eight of you. That's what I found in these services. And, and here's what I also know. When I say that, some of you, I said, we're going to preach a message on the gift of tongues. Some of your hearts started going boom, 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 boom. Or some of you did what I did the first time I ever heard about tongues in a church. You looked for the door. How fast can I get out of here? <laughs> and why? Because many of us have had some, some bad experiences. There's, there's people and 
church services all over the spectrum when we talk about the gift of tongues. Let me tell you about my first one. I, I didn't grow up in a church that talked about the gift of tongues. The first time I experienced this in a church wasn't a good experience. I was on vacation with my family. I was in college. My sisters were in high school. And we showed up. We just wanted to go to a church in the mountains when we were on vacation. And we showed up at a church that many people would call a holy roller church. It was straight out of a movie. Blasting organ. Pastor jumps out of a door wearing full suit, suspenders, handkerchief. And he was yelling and spitting and turning red. And then he started screaming in tongues. And guys, he didn't think it was enough to scream in tongues from the stage. He jumped into the aisle. And he came hopping and dancing down the aisle. Now, I could tell because they, they invited guests to raise their hand that my family was the only guest, so he zeroed in on us. And he came hopping, dancing, spitting, and screaming in tongues right at us. And I was freaked out. Now, fortunately, he was on a microphone with a cable. And so right before he got to us down the aisle, no lie, the cable ended and he got jerked back and flew backwards. And I was thanking the Lord. I asked my parents if we could leave. They were too polite, but it was a very uncomfortable church service. That is not what we're going to do today. I, I thought... Wait, why are we doing that? Because the scripture talks about when we have a tongue in church, there should be an interpretation, and that wasn't happening. On the flip side, on the complete other side, is also something my family experienced. It was actually Stephanie's parents that went to a Christian university, but they shared that in order to be let into this Christian university, they actually had to sign, write a pledge that they would never speak in tongues. Now, that's not biblical. 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 14, 39. Do not forbid the speaking of tongues. So we have these, these uh, mistreatments on both sides of it. So let me tell you what we're going to do this morning. We're going to take the biblical approach to the gift of tongues. We're going to dive in and study what the Scripture talks to us about this amazing gift. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 2, where we learn the first expression of tongues. We're going to talk about three expressions, and some of you, that's already confusing because you're like, well, tongues is one gift. So you're talking about three expressions. Maybe I could help you through another physical illustration. H2O, water. It's one element. However, when James and I went to Minneapolis where we're about to launch our next church plant next month, the weather changed dramatically. The first day we were there, it started by raining. But then as the temperature dropped, then we started experiencing sleet. Still the same element, water, but we explained it as liquid, then we explained, uh, ex, um, experienced it as sleet, and then the next day, the temperature dropped more, and we experienced it as snow. In the same way, the gift of tongues, clearly in Scripture, is three different expressions, and I want to dive into those with you, starting with the first expression, which is this. The first expression of tongues and I'd highly encourage you to write this down. It'll really help you if you take notes. You'll remember it. You'll learn it better. Tongues as a message in a known language. The first expression of tongues, tongues as a message in a known language. Here is the biblical example of this. Acts 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, that is not the gift that we're talking about. That is a manifestation of the spirit, of a physical 
manifestation that they describe to look like tongues, but that's not the gift of tongues. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, that's the first expression we see. And now watch, it's going to further explain this. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard a sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. So what is this first expression? It's only by the Holy Spirit, but it's speaking out an actual known language, but speaking out a language that you don't know. So it's a miraculous gift. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? You see, Galileans were kind of the back country podunk part of Israel. So they knew that these people wouldn't know all these languages. So that's why they're amazed. They know it's a supernatural gift. And look at how many languages were being spoken. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans, and Arabs. What is that saying? It's saying these guys, these uneducated, unschooled guys is what they're called in Acts chapter 4. They're speaking all these languages, all these different languages from North Africa, all these languages up into Europe, all these languages into Asia, and they're speaking perfect Arabic. And so people are amazed. How is this happening? And the result was many people coming to Christ. So there's two components of this first expression. The first is 1 Corinthians 14, 22. says this, tongues then are a sign. If you look at the rest of that verse, it says tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but unbelievers. For unbelievers, it's actually a sign that God is miraculously moving because they are hearing their own language being spoken by someone who should not be able to speak it. But here's the other component, is that God can give that gift of speaking in another language to minister to believers of another linguistic group. So we've experienced this a couple times. Stephanie and I were in Lebanon leading an outreach team. And as we were there, we went up to a city called Tripoli, and we were asked by our hostess, she said, there has been a horrible tragedy in this city. There was a, a militant Muslim extremist group that came in and murdered some people in the Christian community, and they are devastated. And we would love it for you to actually, we're going to bring them here. We'd love for you to pray for them. They're specifically a young father who lost his wife and, and now he's alone with his children and he is devastated. Can you pray for them? We said, of course we can. But my goodness, how heavy that is on your heart. And what do you do? How do you pray? So they brought them there and we lay hands on them and pray. But as we do, Stephanie felt led to speak out in tongues. So she's just praying. She's not even praying that loud. She just doesn't know how to pray. And she's just praying in tongues and everyone's eyes get big. And our hostess, Norma, looks at her and she goes, Stephanie, do you know what you were doing? And she said, no. She goes, you were speaking in perfect classical Arabic. You were speaking, do you know that language? She goes, no, I don't know it. Stephanie goes, what was I saying? She goes, you were, you were explaining the goodness of the character of God over this man. And this man just cried and couldn't stop thanking us and hugging us. 
Why? Because God had broken in with that supernatural impartation of a known language. Now, how is tongues a sign for unbelievers? I've shared with you about Ed Fowler, who passed away in January, but an amazing story about Ed and Christine is that they were in Mexico, and Ed was, grew up in, in the East Coast, New York, didn't speak any Spanish, uh, thick New York accent, and they were on a mission trip, and he was so discouraged because his role was to pass out flyers inviting people to that outreach that night, and no one that night would take the flyers. Actually, kind of an uncommon experience in Mexico, but no one would take his flyers. And so he started praying and going, God, all these people are passing me. No one's taking the flyers. No one will be at our outreach tonight. What do I do? And he feels like the Holy Spirit says, open your mouth and just start speaking. He opens his mouth and out comes perfect fluent Spanish. So all of a sudden, instead of people just walking by, people started gathering around him. He said he passed out all the flyers and they had the largest outreach they had had with scores of people coming to Christ. Why? Because God had given an actual gift of the tongues of a known language to be a sign to people and draw them to the gospel. What a beautiful gift. And, and this is the, the component or the aspect of tongues, the expression of tongues that I find to be the least common. Because I know some of you high school students right now are saying, this is the one I'm asking for because I will ace my Spanish class. <laughs> um, I've actually never seen it work that way. You might as well ask, but... I've never seen that happen. It's a very unique expression that happens every once in a while when God is just wanting to break through and break past the language barrier, but it's absolutely beautiful. But now let's go to the actually very common expression of the gift of tongues. So here is the, the second expression, and this is this. It's tongues for a heavenly prayer language. Tongues for a heavenly prayer language language. This one is found in 1 Corinthians 14. So 1 Corinthians 14 is going to really unpack the gift of tongues, but you're going to find it much different than Acts 2 because listen to this. It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Well, you go, well, that's really confusing, Apostle Paul. Because we just saw in Acts 2 that they were speaking to people, right? They were speaking in another language straight to people. So this must be something different because listen to what he says. Indeed, no one understands them. Well, no, that's exactly the opposite of what we saw in Acts 2. Everyone understood in their own language. But he's going to further explain it right here. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Oh, this time it's not declaring the character of God or declaring the gospel in a known language. It's actually just declaring mysteries through the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging comfort. That's what we talked about last week in the message. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. Oh, wait. So this, is, this one is different than going and speaking in a known language that's for someone else. No, this one is for you. This one is to edify you yourself. <clears throat> Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, is what the apostle Paul says. 
But I'd rather have you prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, we're going to put that on the back burner where we're going to talk about tongues and interpretation of tongues because we're going to focus in on this personal prayer language. Now, when I say personal prayer language, that phrase is not in Scripture, but what is in Scripture is praying in the Spirit. Here it is in 1 Corinthians 14, moving on to verse 14. It says this, for if I pray in a tongue. So do you see the difference? In Acts 2, they were proclaiming to people. But now in Acts, uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, he's saying, I am actually praying in a tongue. I, what is prayer? Prayer isn't talking to people. Prayer is talking to God. So if I'm praying in a tongue, he says this, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I'll also pray with my understanding. This is one of the reasons why tongues is often misunderstood. Or oftentimes people are like, gosh, do I really have this gift of a prayer language? Because they start praying in the spirit. They're like, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm making this up or it just doesn't make sense because there's nothing going on in my mind. And Paul's saying, no, that's exactly what happens. Because it's the spirit praying through you. It's your, your spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking straight to God. So what does he say? He goes, I will sing with my spirit, but I'll also sing with my understanding. Otherwise, when you're praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is not put in the position of inquirer, who is now put in the position of inquirer, say amen to your thanksgiving? Since they do not know what you're saying, you're giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. Some of you have heard me explain my story in this. Although I'd encourage you to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, although I'd encourage you to have people lay hands on you and pray for you, that's the biblical model. That wasn't my case. I grew up in a church that didn't practice this, but as I was seeking the Lord more and more, I was a young college student, and I was asking the Lord to just fill me completely. I was repenting of my sin and just saying, I want to be completely filled with you, Holy Spirit. And as I was praying that, all of a sudden, from my mouth, came a heavenly language that I didn't know. And actually, the only time I had, I had ever experienced that was in that church service. And so it freaked me out. But I knew I was just praying to God, but it freaked me out so I wouldn't slam a hand over my mouth because <laughs> I didn't want to do something weird. But later as I studied it more and I also talked to, to mentors who helped under, explain it, then I started practicing it. And what I found is it was a gift that let me access the presence of God. Like I would start praying and I would actually start feeling, I could actually feel myself getting encouraged. This is very helpful as things in life got more challenging. As we came to plant a church and we had tremendous warfare against us. There were times where I battled with discouragement or depression. One of the things I'll do is I'll use that gift of tongues and I'll, I'll walk out and I'll just pace along my back fence and I'll just pray out in the spirit. But because it says your mind is unfruit, unfruitful while I'm praying in the spirit, I'm also quoting scripture in my mind because I want to renew my spirit, but I also want to renew my mind. Here's another aspect for praying in the spirit. Romans 8. This verse might have confused you before, but it's so powerful. Absolutely love this scripture. It says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our heart 
knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So let me explain this. This is not just for personal edification, but this is for intercession. What is intercession? It means you are standing in the gap for someone. You are praying for them. So here's an illustration from my life. My dear sister, Hannah, she believed that God wanted to give her kids. She had words about it, but she, for years, was not able to bear children. And she had numerous, very painful, very devastating miscarriages. And so she asked me to pray for her. So I'll never forget being in a field, just pacing back and forth, praying my heart out for Hannah. And as I did that, I finally ran out of words to pray. Have you ever had some prayer burden, but you finally just, you don't know, you're like, someone asks you to pray, and so you pray for a minute, but then it's, you're kind of out of words. But at that moment, I started just praying in the Spirit. I started praying in a prayer language and crying out. And it was amazing because it, it was like the Spirit was praying through me. The Spirit making groans and intercessions that were too deep for words to express. And I was able to pray much longer for her and felt like I was praying with such power and authority. Amazingly, uh, less than several months later, she was able to conceive, and now she has four children. Glory to God. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the gift of tongues is the answer to infertility. That's, that's not my, my point here, but what I am saying is that it is an awesome gift that God gives us to partner with him in the place of intercession for others. So where the gift of tongues speaking out in a known language is the most uncommon, I find this as the most common. I find that most people who ask for this expression of the gift, that heavenly prayer language, get it. Now, let's move to the third expression. Actually, having said that, though, let, 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 me, let me tell you what the gift of tongues is not because this can, this can be hard on people or, or different people have been made to feel uh, less than if they don't have the gift of tongues. So let me just, let me just be really clear about this. Um, what the gift of tongues is not, it's not, number one, the proof of your salvation. Uh, I would call this a, a hyper, in a bad way, a hyper-Pentecostal doctrine. I'll never forget being on a mission trip in the Philippines where a woman basically accosted our team and asked each member if they spoke in tongues. And the ones that didn't, she said, then you're not saved. Well, that's nowhere in Scripture. And so I had to spend time in front of this team arguing with this woman to convince them, no, you actually are saved. Because that's not a biblical underpinning. You're saved by calling out to God. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. And as you do that, then the scripture says then he immediately seals you with the deposit of the Holy Spirit. So that's not what we're talking about today. You're saved by calling out to Jesus, making him your Lord and Savior, not by speaking in tongues. That's ridiculous. Number two, some people say, well, it is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't speak in tongues, then you weren't baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, that is not true from the book of Acts. It is unevidence. It is one of the gifts that people were given as they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's common, but it is not the indisputable evidence. Why? Because as we look at the book of Acts, it'll say, then the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Or it'll say, the Holy Spirit filled them and they were filled with joy. Or it will say, the Holy Spirit filled them and then they prophesied. And so it is one gift 
It is not the gift. Thirdly, I want to say this. It's not a badge of spiritual maturity. It's not a badge of spiritual maturity. In fact, I think that's what was going on in 1 Corinthians 14 and why Paul gave this long teaching. Because I think people were so enamored by this gift that everyone just came in and started blah, 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 blah. And then no one could understand what was going on. Right? So it's not the badge of spiritual maturity. We're not going to stop you at the door and say, wait, do you speak in tongues? Okay, prove it. Give me a few bars. Okay, well, that was good. You can come to the front. Oh, you stay in the back. That's not what we're going to do in this church. It's a beautiful and wonderful gift, but it is not a badge of spiritual maturity. Actually, spiritual maturity is displayed most through the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's not something that you have to do. The Bible says eagerly desire it, but it doesn't say you have to do this. Paul says, I wish you'd all speak in tongues. In fact, he kind of gets a little, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, a little uh, jivey and says, I'm thankful that I speak in tongues more than all of you. I'm like, Paul, that sounds a little prideful, but you are the Apostle Paul. So, uh, but it's not something that he commands us to do. So let's move to the third expression. So we've talked about the expression of tongues in a known language. Now we've talked about tongues for personal edification in your heavenly language. Now let's talk about the third expression, which is this, tongues with an interpretation as a message to the church. Let me give you a definition of this one. A message God gives a believer to speak out in a known, unknown spiritual language that comes with an interpretation given in a gathering of believers to strengthen the church. Once again, a message God gives a believer to speak out in an unknown spiritual language that comes with an interpretation given in a gathering of believers to strengthen the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 through 28. We've read this. Let's read it again and read it in context. What shall we say then, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at the most three should speak one at a time and someone interpret. So what's he saying? He's saying, hey, let's not just come in and, and show off this gift we have or we're all just blabbing out. No, he's saying, actually, we can do the gifts of the Spirit in an orderly fashion. One of the reasons people don't like the gifts of the Spirit is they think the church just gets out of control. But what Paul is explaining is, no, God's a God of order. And so the spirit of the prophet is what 1 Corinthians 14 says, is actually subject to the prophet. You don't need to lose control. God will give you this gift, and at the appropriate time, you can speak out. And then he says this. There needs to be or at the most three, should speak at one at, at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So this gift, there's a tongue, an unknown language given, and then there's an interpretation given for the strengthening of the church. Our elementary school pastor, and, and he's also our junior high pastor, Nick Taylor, shares this story of... of when he first came into this church, and he, he, like me, didn't grow up in a church that practiced this gifting, so this was new for him, but when he first came in, he said he was really in a season of struggling. And as he was struggling, 
He asked for prayer, and someone prayed for him and had a prophetic word. And they said, Nick, in this season, God wants to, to use your name to bring you great encouragement. As you understand why you're actually named Nicholas, it's going to bring great encouragement to you. So he said he started looking at his name. Well, uh, a day or two later, he's still kind of in a down, discouraged place, and he comes to the School of Transformation. Well, that night in the School of Transformation, someone comes forward and talks to our director of the school and says, I, I believe I have a corporate tongue to share. And that's how we do it. When someone feels like they have something, they come to the leader of the meeting, so it's not just chaotic, and, and submits that to the leader. And the leader said, yeah, I'd, I'd like for you to give that. So they paused everything, and the person spoke out in tongues. Nick said immediately when that happened, he just sensed the presence of God. And some of you have been in a meeting like that where, where someone actually had uh, a corporate tongue that was from the Lord, and you can just testify that there's this kind of this awe and this reverence, like, wow, God is moving in our midst. He says he experiences that. Then someone stands up, comes to the front. It was Trisha Rhodes. Trisha had been a pastor for years, but she also came from the church that practiced this. But she just said, I just knew the second that that word was given, I heard the, the interpretation. So she comes and gives it. And she basically says this. She goes, there's someone in here, and God wants you to know he knows your name. He calls you by name. It was exactly what Nick had heard in that prophetic word. Nick said the second he heard that, he actually fell to his knees and just started crying because God was calling him out in that moment. It was a supernatural experience that touched him in a profound and powerful way. I remember when Stephanie's sister, Neely, came in a prayer meeting that we had, and she said, I have a, a, a tongue, I believe, it's for the group, and we had her share. It was beautiful. And then an interpreter came up and said that God was about to bring a breakthrough and do something that we could not do in our own strength. Well, up until that point, we had known that we were called to plant many churches, but we just couldn't seem to plant any. We couldn't get any out the door. And after that moment, the floodgates opened and we've planted numerous churches. This is so encouraging. God bringing a supernatural word with an interpretation to strengthen the church. Hopefully you're getting encouraged. Hopefully you're excited. Hopefully you're saying, man, God, would you give this to me so I can both encourage other people but also myself be strengthened. And let me finish with this. First, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. I'm sorry. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. <clears throat> now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is part of it. And God has peaced in the church, first of all, apostles and second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I'll show you the most excellent way. And he goes on to talk about love. What's the point of this? The point is this. In the body of Christ, God is giving every single person gifts. And although I love the gift of tongues, and I encourage you to eagerly desire it, it's not something that you have to do. It's not something that needs to be forced on you. It's just yet another one of the beautiful gifts that God gives to bless his people. Let's stand up.